0: I want to start with a statement this morning. Uh, That that first statement, you can put that up on the screen for me. And and here it is. One of the greatest challenges that we face in life is the ability to successfully navigate through relationships. Sometimes I I think that relationships are like minefields, you know. Uh, You've got to have... A tremendous amount of, of wisdom and skill to be able to successfully navigate your way through relationships. And we have all kinds of relationships. You know, we all wear many different hats. You know, we're sons, we're fathers, we're grandfathers, we're daughters we're we're mothers we're uh sisters we're brothers you know we have neighbors we have friends we have brothers in the church and sisters in the church and and all of these different relationships right relationships are are complicated right to uh quote a modern day philosopher by the name of Ringo Starr you know it don't come easy you know uh miscommunication comes easy misunderstandings come easy but successful relationships don't come easy they they, they say that over the course of your lifetime if you have two or three really really close friends you are really blessed right so we know how difficult relationships are They, they can easily be strained they can easily be be fractured you know, uh, insurance companies, uh, I don't know if they still do this, but I remember hearing years and years ago that one insurance company used to use as its program to train uh, new employees to show them the inevitability of, of things that go bump in the night and they go bump in the daytime too. They, they, they cited this statistic that when there was only two, two registered vehicles in New Jersey, I'm talking about New Jersey again, amazing, but two registered vehicles in New Jersey—they collided with each other. Could you imagine? And think about how crazy that is. Only two cars on the road, and they couldn't avoid having an accident with each other. You know, uh, Doctor Watson, something is afoot. You know, something is a problem here. You know, and it has to do with relationships. Well, uh, when there was only, as far as we know, there was only two brothers in the world. The, the relationship of those two brothers ended tragically with the death of, of Abel. Cain rose up and killed his brother Abel. Not a very good relationship i 'm blown away by how many programs there are on TV and the cable networks and all of these different uh, genre shows where you know, like forty eight hours or mystery detectives and and and, and they 're all with real stories about about real tragedies real crimes that have that have taken place and and one of the most frequently Used subjects is the who done it in relationship to some poor wife or girlfriend that has either gone missing or has has been found murdered and, and, and usually the first suspect that they look at the first person of, of, of suspicion is the husband or the boyfriend you know uh, there was a, a doctor in in the news just this last couple of weeks uh, Martin McNeil. Uh, who was found guilty of uh, by by, by a, a jury of his peers? Found guilty of having drugged and drowned his wife so that uh, he could continue his affair with his with his mistress. But it's it's not just it's not just the men. Sometimes sometimes there was a story about about a newlywed woman, right? Who. Admitted, confessed that she pushed her husband to his death on their honeymoon. You know, and I don't mean to be, that is tragic. But, but that shows you how, how broken relationships are. Here's another statement I want, I want you to consider. Fractured relationships are the unexpected consequences of the fall. Broken relationships, fractured relationships are the unexpected consequences of the fall. Proof of that, we, we, we hardly get out of Genesis chapter 3, we're in chapter 4, and Cain takes the life of his brother. We all know the statistics about marriage and, and how many marriages end in divorce, but, but who who can measure the, except God, the 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 toll it takes on broken lives and broken families and broken children because of divorce. Navigating through relationships is one of the most difficult things in this life. Broken and fractured relationships are the unintended consequences of the fall. Some relationships are never mended. They're never repaired. I mean, we, we all probably know family Members who, who don't talk to each other anymore. Brother doesn't talk to brother, sister doesn't talk to sister. It, it's in everybody's family. It, it happens. If they're coming to your house for Thanksgiving, we're not coming. You know, it's it's, it's one of those kind of deals. Because relationships are complicated. But probably the most important relationship that we could ever have is the relationship that we should have with our maker and our creator. And that relationship has been fractured. It's been severed. There's a disconnect that has taken place. Man's religious? Yeah, absolutely. Remember what Tim Keller said? He said that the natural default of the human heart is religious, religion. But there's a world of difference between being religious and being in a relationship with God. You know, God isn't the one, I was sharing with the staff this week, God isn't the one who needs to be reconciled to us. We need to be reconciled to God. God has always been reaching out, loving and forgiving man, always wanting to have a relationship with man. He's always been knocking on the door of man's heart so that he can have a relationship. But but we're, we're the ones, listen, we've closed the door, we've locked the door, we, we, we've put the key in the and then we snapped the lock, snapped the key and broke the lock. We've, we've turned our backs on God. In fact, there's a famous uh, painting of uh, Jesus. Probably the inspiration of that came from Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus says to the church at Laodicea, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will open that door, I will come in, right? And so the artist in the, in the rendition of this painting paints the door. Jesus is standing on the outside. There's somebody on the inside of the house, you could see this, right? But Jesus is on the outside, and there's no door handle on his side. Meaning that that if Jesus is to come in, and that's the scripture that's used at the bottom of the of the painting. If he is to come in, it means that we're to open the door to him. That he wants to have a relationship with us. And you know what? By the grace of God, it's possible to have a relationship with him. For what is impossible with men is possible with God. What Jesus was telling his disciples, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God, he said, it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And then, and then when he said that, the, the disciples were blown away. And they said, then who, who they can be saved? Because they measured prosperity with godliness. You know, it, it's a real error to do that. But, but, but anyway, they were blown away. And Jesus comes across with the statement, with men it is impossible. It's impossible for us to make a connection with God. But with God, all things are possible. It's impossible for us to to repair or to or to heal the breach in our relationship with God. But there go you and I. But for the grace of God, years ago, uh, my family was engaged in a spiritual uh, struggle and battle and conflict that was taking place in our in our neighborhood uh, with our neighbors, and as a, as a result of that. Uh, our children were, were persecuted, um, our, our, our faith was belittled, and we were, we were mocked for for being Christians. Uh, we, we made efforts toward toward reaching out to the to the community and, and our neighbors and, and was met with rejection right but But our house was also uh, vandalized from from time to time, and on this one particular occasion. When uh, it was necessary for us to call the police, and the police came, one of the suggestions that the police officer made to me, and also to my neighbor, was was why don't you guys submit to a binding arbitration? You, you come down to the to the town facility over here. It was actually the the uh, right on uh, Veterans Highway. And and meet with an arbitrator and 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 air your grievances and and they'll come up with a solution. And I said, you know what? I said, that's a great idea because because we haven't been the ones that have been the aggressor in this situation. And I want I don't want my kids to be bullied anymore or to be picked on. And I want this I want this conflict to end. And so we thought that was a great idea. And so we went. We sat down with our neighbors face to face. The arbitrator. Listen to each side, and, and you know what? It wasn't it wasn't a really good experience for us because we soon began to realize that that the person who was supposed to be fair, just, and 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 balanced was anything but just or, or fair in in hearing us, and it had no clue at all. And in fact, we didn't even try to explain the spiritual aspect of what was taking place because we knew he wouldn't understand that, but. But, but, but what we did was we submitted to his, his, his advice. We signed an agreement of peace between our, ourselves and, and our neighbors. And, and that, that agreement was violated within a matter of a few days. Uh, having a mediator is a great idea. If you can have a mediator who is just and fair... Who is, who is sympathetic and compassionate, somebody who has had a life experience so that he can relate to both parties that are in dispute, someone who can actually enter into the, the feelings and empathy toward, toward the different views that are taking place. Uh, Job found himself. In a situation where he was going through the, the the most horrific trials of probably anyone in in Scripture, maybe other than Jesus, right? Uh, he he has suffered the loss of his family, he suffered the loss of his wealth, and he suffered the loss of his health. But w- what made matters, I think, infinitely worse was was his friends, the relationship that he had with his friends. His friends came to comfort him, and instead of encouraging him and comforting him, they soon began to turn on him and to become his accusers. But the Bible says that in all these things, Job did not sin or, or speak foolishly in accusing God of wrongdoing. But in chapter 9, verse 33, Job, the cry of his heart was, would that there was someone who could stand before me and before God, stand in between me and God and and declare my cause before God and my innocence before God. That was the cry of his heart. And the cry of his heart had to go unanswered because there was no one. There was no one to be in between. See, what Job realized was that there is this, this chasm that exists between God and man, And the reason being is that God is holy and we're not. And Job recognized that there's this distance, there's this disconnect that has taken place because of the consequences of the fall. The unintended consequences of the, of the fall means you can't talk right sometimes. And, and sometimes you, you have relationships that, that go awry, but the most important relationship has been severed. And there's a distance between our maker and ourselves. And you know what? There's, there's no reset button. There's no, there, there, there's no ability to, on our human standpoint, to reconnect with God. How many ever, uh, I mean, this happened to you, you know, I'm sure it happens you know, lots of times. You're online, right, you're working, whether you're working on a project for school, you're working, you know, uh, on the job at the office, and you're online, and it's really important, and all of a sudden, you get disconnected. You know, the the server goes down, the power goes out. You know, or, or for whatever reason, you know, you, you, you're suddenly kicked offline, and you do, you know what you need to do. You you need to you need to reboot. You need to reconnect. You you, you need to you know start the modem up again, or wh- whatever it is you you need to do. But here's the here's the the dilemma for us. There there is no rebooting of the situation. There is no. You know it, it, that old nursery rhyme: uh, "Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. The eggs have been broken. You, 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 you can't put them back. And so, and so here's the dilemma that we face: How to reestablish a relationship? So here's the question: How can we have an intimate relationship with someone so distant with whom? We're so disconnected. If God is holy and we're not, how can we possibly reconnect with God? What must we do if there's no reset button? What's impossible with man is possible with God. And so... Here comes the next title in this ongoing series we, we've been looking at the names of Jesus and, and the various titles that are descriptive of not only his character, but also of, of his mission. And of his, we, we've looked at a number of them, and I, I can't repeat them all now, but, but I want to look at what, what Jesus is called at least four times in the New Testament. He's called the mediator of a new and a better covenant based upon better promises. Mediator is the word. He is the he is the middleman, the go-between. Uh, Paul calls him the only mediator between God and man and the man Christ Jesus. We're gonna look at that in its context from the from the book of uh 1 Timothy chapter 2 in just a minute. But let me just give you the context, okay? Paul the apostle is writing to a young pastor, Timothy, his spiritual son, and he's talking to him about really important matters. And so he starts off by saying this. In verse 1, I urge then, first of all, of first importance, that request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all men. He's talking about the fact that there are different styles of prayer that we can engage in. And that we should be praying for everyone, be praying for all men. And specifically, he says, for kings. And, and the amazing thing is that, is that there was an ungodly emperor upon the throne of, of Rome at this time. But he says, to pray for kings and for all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Why? So that the gospel may be preached, so that the gospel may be unhindered, and that the, the kingdom of, of God may grow. This is good, he says, verse 3. And it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved. I mean, that ought to just encourage us in and of itself. If you're here this morning and, and, and you're not a follower of Christ, it is the will of the Savior that you have a relationship with him. He is doing everything. He's knocking on the door of your heart this morning and wants to connect with you. He wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now here's the verse. For there is one God eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. We talked about the Trinity last week. Co-equal, co-glorious, Father, Son, and Spirit. One is not lesser. One is not more than the other. One God existing in three persons can explain it. We never, we would never purpose to explain it. That's the mystery of the, of of the Trinity. But one God, eternally existing, three persons. And Paul says, "For there is one God, and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. There's only one mediator. There's not many." Sorry, it's not Mary. Sorry, it's not the saints. Sorry, it's not Mohammed. Sorry, it's not Confucius. It's not anyone else. There is only one way to God the Father. And that is through the one mediator, the one go-between. And, and there's, no one, there's no one who in the universe who is more qualified to be the mediator, the go-between between God and man than, I love the expression, the man Christ Jesus. He he is so much Mary's son. He is just as much a man as I am Rose's son. He's very man, but he's also very God. And that's what qualifies him because he's never been distant. He's never been disconnected from the Godhead, from from the heavenly father. He's always been from eternity in the bosom of his father, the love of his father. And there's no disconnect there. And who better to able to represent us than one who is the Mary's son, one who is fully man, who has entered into our human experience and become one of us as us. And so there's no one more qualified to be the, the go-between, who can literally lay his hand on God, because no one can do that except God, but also lay his hand on man. Because he is fully man, the man Christ Jesus, in the days of in the days of Ezekiel the prophet, the children of Israel had been carried off before Ezekiel came on the scene into the land of Babylon. they were taken away as captives, prisoners right uh, they, they lost their homes, they lost their freedom they, they, they lost everything, and they're taken away and they, But God raised up Ezekiel to have a word for these captives of encouragement and hope by giving him visions. But in order to be able to speak into their lives, see, Ezekiel's in Jerusalem. But in order to be able to speak into their lives, Ezekiel had to experience what they were experiencing. He had to go among them, to live among them, to suffer as they were suffering, to enter into their sorrow to enter into their captivity. And so Ezekiel goes down to live among them. And so God, our heavenly father, sends his son to live among us, to feel what we feel, to live as we have lived, to suffer as we suffer, to bear our agony, to carry... The very temptations that we have been tempted with, he has been tempted with, he knows what trials are like, he, 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 he knows experientially. And so he is able, Jesus has won the right to be able to speak into our lives and to say, I know what it's like, I've been there, I've done that. When I was a brand new believer, I'm talking about just a few months, you know, uh, and I was excited about serving the Lord I mean I just you know I mean I was passionate I was this this new life had transformed me in a radical way you know some people you know, are like like Paul, you know, who, who go from Saul to Paul overnight. And, and that really was was a part of my transformation. And I, I remember I was living in Queens at the time. I could tell you exactly where it was, the corner of 101st Avenue and Rockaway Boulevard. Now, if you don't know Queens and that doesn't mean anything to you, but I'm just telling you exactly where I was when this took place. I was I was about twenty-five years old, married, had a had an infant son at home, right? And I'm coming out of this This grocery store, right? And I'm hearing this this man screaming at the top of his lungs, and he's pounding on this car. There's a guy who is locked in the car, his windows up. He's he's stuck between two cars. He can't. He 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 was trying to cut through a, a a gas station that had been closed. It was a summer evening. And and the guy behind him had his door open, and he's pounding on. You know his door was open, and I could see in, in that his, that this guy, this crazy guy, who's pounding on the door, and he's screaming, "Open up the door, or I'll break the window and pull you out!" You know something like that scene that, that took place. You know uh, that went viral. That that took place in Manhattan with the bikers. So, but 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 anyway, so 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 this guy's wife and child are in the car, and this guy's gone nuts. And he's trying to get this guy out of the car. And, and I just felt led by the Lord, right? And I, and I walked right in the midst of the, the situation. And I began to, sp- to speak to this guy softly. And at first he thought I was a friend of the guy in the car, you know, and that I, that I came to help him. And I said, look, I don't know who he is, but I know who Jesus is. And I, and I feel that Jesus wants me to help you right now. So that you won't do something that you'll regret for the rest of your life. There's your wife and your child in the car, and and as he's talking and I'm and I'm trying to calm him down. Look, I, I say to him, look, I I I know what you feel. I, I I know you've been cut off by this guy. I know he flipped you the finger when 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 when, when, when he cut you off, and, and that made you angry. I I've been there. I I know what that's like. But this is not in your best interest to to keep this up or to pursue this. You're going to regret this for the rest of your life. Now, I tell you, I, I, in that moment, it didn't even occur to me that he might turn on me. You know, thinking about it afterwards, I thought about, well, yeah, he could have, he could have started beating on me. But, but the reason why I believe God used me to save the guy in the car from getting a beating and to save the guy from committing a crime and and traumatizing his family was because I was willing to stand in the middle and to identify with both men. Jesus Christ has so come in because he has stood in the middle, he so identified himself because he is God, but he's also identified himself with God. But this is what Jesus did: He took the beating for us, he took the beating that we deserved. He said, in essence, I would, I would, I would rather suffer than have the, the ones that I love suffer eternal damnation. And so Jesus Christ put himself in the middle, put himself. You see, the only, the only way that he can affect the reconciliation was through the awful price of the cross. Where he would become bloodied and beaten and lay down his life for us. I want you to know, truly, Jesus is our elder brother. One of the other references to Jesus is that he is our elder brother because he is the man Christ Jesus. He is bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. He's the head where the members of his body. Jesus is our elder brother. And in, and in that sense, he is not like the elder brother in the story that he told that's, that's called the prodigal son or the prodigal father, whichever you prefer. You know the story about the, the youngest son who squanders his inheritance and the elder brother who, who who doesn't look for his brother, doesn't care about his brother, won't even go into the house after his brother has come back and his father is throwing a party because his son who was dead is now alive. And, and the father is re- rejoicing and he's disrespectful to his father. He insults his father. No, no. Jesus is not like that kind of elder brother who points the finger and who points blame at us. Rather, he's the elder brother who travels the chasm of infinite distance so that he might bring us back to God by revealing the love of God in such a way that transforms us from people who are in love with sin to becoming people who are now lovers of God. For we who once broke the key, and turned away from God, we did so by, by throwing ourselves into the creation where we love the, cre- the creature more than the creator. We love the creation more than the, than the creator, but, but he has come. I said this last week. It's his bloody, broken life that melts the heart and moves the soul. And seeing that brings about a transformation In our life. Now, the first responsibility of a mediator is to communicate. The first responsibility of the mediator is to bring the two parties together so that the disputing parties can communicate one with another. And the task of Jesus was not merely to establish communication, it was to establish a new relationship. A new relationship in where Where mistrust is set aside and now there's trust. Where there was once hatred, now there's love. Where there was once misunderstanding, now there's a comprehension of the love of God that, as I said, melts a heart. You see, what Jesus came to do was not just simply create a a legal relationship between God and us. that, 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 That he did. But it's more than a legal relationship. It's an intimate and a personal relationship. I don't know if you saw the film Taken. In the fact, there was Taken 1 and there's Taken 2. Whenever you know that there's a 2, there's all, it's because the number 1 has been successful. But, but in, in the film Taken, it stars Liam Neeson. I always liked Liam Neeson, good actor, right? It's it's a story about the relentless pursuit of a father for his daughter who has been abducted by human traffickers. Uh, he he plays a, a CIA operative who who gave up that life in order to reconnect with his daughter. He he and his wife had been divorced and and they had because of his career. He had had not had a a good relationship with his daughter, so he gives that up so that he can have this good relationship now with his daughter and reconnect with her, right? And she goes on vacation to France with a girlfriend, and and there, while in France, while on the phone with her father, she's abducted, and and she's, she's sold by by uh, human traffickers for the purpose of prostitution, right? And 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 one of the one of the moving scenes, gripping scenes, is when, is when was when this father is talking to one of the abductors on the phone. This is the dialogue. I want you to follow along with me. He says, he says this, he says, I don't know who you are, and I don't know what you want. I can tell you I don't have money, but what I do have is a very particular set of skills. Skills that I've acquired over a long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for someone like you. Come on, now, I love that, you know. If you let my daughter go now, it will end right here. I'll not look for you. I'll not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you, and I will kill you. And the voice on the other end of the phone says, good luck, hangs up. That ends the conversation, but that starts this relentless pursuit to another nation, overcoming language barriers and overcoming red tape and, 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 and political, you know, uh, dialogue and, and all that stuff he he begins to relentlessly he, you you know that there's nothing that he won't do nothing that he won't give to bring his daughter back home right and so he he's he's dispatching bad guys one after another you know and they and they're going down and and he's getting hurt in the process right so at the, at the very toward the end of the film right uh he he finally finds his daughter and she's on a yacht being taken away by this rich business Arab right, and uh, and 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 he's he's there and he and he again he just wipes out everybody, but in, in the meanwhile he's bloodied and and he's and he's wounded and he's hurt, and and now she falls into his arms she can't believe. Everything that she's been through, she can't believe that he has found her, that, that he's gone through all of that trouble. And, and she says to him, Daddy, you came for me. And he says, softly, beaten, broken, right? He says, but ultimately triumphant. He holds his daughter in his arms and he says, I told you I would come for you. I want you to know that the love of Christ it's seen in his unrelenting, unceasing, persistent. He refused to give up on us. When we deserve to be given up on, Jesus said, I'm not going to give up on them. I'm going to pursue them. You see, he's the one who initiated the search. He's the good shepherd who came to seek and save that which is lost. He said, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He initiated the communication. He initiated the search. And he's come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Listen to this. Galatians chapter 4. This is so good. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons or children. And because you are sons, children, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This distant relationship, this disconnected breach that once existed between us and God has now been healed. It's now been repaired. It's been fixed But notice this, and this is what I want you to take away this morning, is that the one who is infinite became finite so that we might become intimate. Let me say it again. The one who is infinite, eternal God, from everlasting to everlasting, became finite in the womb of a virgin so that we might become intimate with him. Now, there's one more thing that I want to share with you. Before we close, Jesus not only establishes this communication and not only establishes this intimacy of relationship where, where we now, if we accept Christ, if, if we believe in him and trust in him, the Bible says that he that is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with God. That's a promise. You become one with God. An inseparable unity It now exists between between. The man Christ Jesus and God the Father, and, and, and we as believers, we are, we are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, right? But there's, there's, there's one more important job for a mediator, and uh, it's, it's simply this. Um, let, me, let me illustrate. Many of you, I mean, it's probably, it's probably nobody that hasn't heard the, the name uh, Lance Armstrong. I mean, he's been in the news so many times in the past. There's a lot of controversy about him. Uh, He had held a title, uh, seven-time world championship of the Tour de France, you know, as a championship uh, cyclist, right? And uh, in August of 2012, he had a press conference. All these... Newspapers and all these microphones were set up and, and, and this is what this is what he said. He said, There comes a point in every man 's life when he has to say enough is enough. For me, that time has come i 've been dealing with claims that i 've cheated and had an unfair advantage in winning my seven tours since one thousand nine hundred and ninety nine so so this is thirteen years he 's been dealing with accusations this is over, over the past. Three years, there's been a federal investigation. The toll that it's taken on my family and the work of my foundation and on me has led me to where I am today. I'm finished with the nonsense. In other words, he's throwing in the towel. He's quitting defending himself, right? And with these words, the man who's been accused of of doping and cheating, using hormone, human hormone uh, injections to, to give him an unfair advantage, Even though he has consistently maintained his innocence, he now gives up the fight. And then he says this. He says, the only physical evidence there is is the hundreds of controls I have passed with flying colors. I've made myself available around the clock and around the world in competition, out of competition, blood and urine. Whatever they asked for, I provided. What is the point, he says, of this testing if if at the end the USDA will not stand by it? And because he quit at that moment, because he threw in the towel, the USDA stripped him of his title and forbade him, removed him from future uh, competition, of uh, barring him from any future competition. Now, I don't know if he's guilty or not. I don't know if if he's a con man or if he's a victim. Maybe only God knows. I don't know. But what I know is this, that as a believer, I've often been the subject of accusations. Some have been whispers that only, only you could hear inside of you. Whispers that, that sometimes even come from your own heart. Accusations. I could tell you that many of those accusations are true. We, we all stand as guilty. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But what I could tell you that Lance Armstrong did not have He may have had an attorney, but you and I, if you're a believer in Christ, we have an advocate with the Father. We have a mediator who stands before God on our behalf, and it's because of his successful reconciliation between man and God and the sins that were laid upon him because God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Therefore, because of that, We've been reconciled unto God. And he's the one who now declares us as being without condemnation. To those that are in Christ Jesus, there will not be condemnation, not now or not ever, because of the virtue and the achievement of the man Christ Jesus. What he has accomplished, he has accomplished for us. You see, we could never be stripped of our title, child of God, and we could could never be stripped of the victory that we have in Christ. And folks, that's that's just good news for each and every one of us this morning. We have one who stands before the throne of God today, right now, the man Christ Jesus, whoever lives to make intercession for us. If you have a need, he goes before the Father on our behalf. Is there an accusation against you? He says, they're not guilty because of what I did and what I paid for. The beating fell upon me. My brokenness covers and heals the breach that existed. Bottom line is that Jesus is the only answer that you and I will ever need. He meets every single one of our needs. And, and, and we've just looked at seven now, seven or eight different titles of Jesus. But actually, Jesus Jesus is so sufficient in and of himself that he supplies everything that we possibly will ever need. We have such an awesome and a wonderful Savior. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ, can I tell you that he is knocking on the door of your heart this morning through this message, and he wants you to open up that door. If you will open up, he says, I will come in, and I'll have a relationship with you. How do you do that very simply? It's faith. It's 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 an acceptance of what Jesus Christ has done for you. You say something like this, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, come into my heart. I believe that you died and that you rose again for me, for my for my relationship to be restored to God so that I can connect with you. It's not magical words, it's it's the heart that reaches out. It's the, it's the heart that opens up that locked door and says, Jesus, come on in. I want to just give you that opportunity right now. If you're here this morning, would you just bow your head with me? and Just say it like this. Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. I believe that you died and rose again for me. Your word says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I call on your name right now. For those of you that are here this morning who are, who are walking with the Lord, you have fellowship with him. Know that that fellowship is not disconnected. Know that that fellowship is, has not been breached. It will never be severed. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with God. He loves you. He's proved and demonstrated his love for you. And now, I just want to encourage you to love on him because he first loved us. Amen? Amen.